I work the late shift at the Majestic Movie Theater in Phoenix. Now don't misunderstand. I don't mean that I work at the concession stand from 5 to 10, then go home and get a full night's rest. No. I work the graveyard hours of midnight to 8 in the morning. You see, my local theater has a history of, well, security problems. Not too crazy, a few break-ins, vandalism, and one guy shot himself in the bathrooms a few years back. Needless to say, all of this made the owner of the theater a little antsy, so he decided to hire some security guards to patrol during the night. Well, security guard. That guard being me. I want you to get a mental image of what you think a security guard looks like. Okay, now, I want you to take that mental image and throw it in the garbage. I didn't wear any type of vest or armor. I don't have a gun, nor a baton, for that matter. My job isn't to be Rambo. My job is to patrol the theater and make sure that local teens don't break in and paint dicks on the Lion King movie poster. Other than that, if there were to be some actual threat, I've just been instructed to batten down the hatches in the manager's office and wait for the police to arrive. Not that I've ever had to do that. Either way, I don't think that's an option this time. My shift this evening started out simply enough. I made my rounds to the screening rooms, did a quick search of the bathrooms, chased off two teens who seemed to think that the back alley of the theater as their smoking ground. After I was sure the two youths had scurried off the property, I made my back inside and moseyed my way through the Hall of History, as my boss called it. You see, my boss has a passion for film. He doesn't own the movie theater for the money, though I'm sure he wouldn't complain about that. My boss feels that it's his duty to educate the people of our community about the history of film. So in the hallway that leads up to the screening rooms, there are posters of old movies, with small plaques explaining their importance to the history of film. We also have some older films on Monday nights, our classic nights as my boss calls it, though you might as well call it geezer night, as the only people the classic nights seem to attract are old geezers and ghosts. As I strolled past the old dust collected posters, I noticed that down the hall, one of the posters was laying face down on the old stained carpet. I immediately felt my stomach drop. If that poster was damaged, it's coming out of my paycheck. I rushed over to assess the damage. I flipped the frame over to see that the glass had cracked. And I'll admit, I jumped a bit. Facing me was Count Orlock's pale, fang-toothed face with text above him reading, Majestic Theater, 20 cents for children, 35 cents for adults. My unnecessary fear quickly dissipated as I looked up to see that this particular frame poster fell from the horror section. I gave myself a quick chuckle from my self-imposed jump scare and hung the poster back up next to its horror compatriots. I figured that one of the two punks outside must have snuck in trying to get some stale popcorn from the concession stand, only to knock over one of the posters and run out the back. All in all, nothing to worry myself with. Get a dental plan, Orlock. I remember snidely saying before letting out another small chuckle. I decided that now was a good enough time to take a break from my rounds, so I walked my way into screening room number 5, took a long walk down the ramp to the front row of the seats, then plopped my butt down in one of the old, squeaky, barely cushioned chairs. I opened my old, beaten up lunch bag to reveal a sad, smushed down turkey sandwich and a few crushed up potato chips. I quickly devoured my food, wishing that I was actually watching a movie rather than staring at a blank, silver screen in the dark. After I was finished, I let out a long, long sigh. 
How did it come to this? When I was a child, surprisingly enough, I didn't dream of sleeping half the day away, only to spend the other half guarding some old rundown theater. No, when I was a kid, I dreamt of being a police officer. Not just some security guard, an actual police officer. Hell, it was more than a dream, it was close to reality. As I sat there, cross on my sandwich in hand, and self-pity on my mind, the projector suddenly kicked on. I nearly jumped out of my chair. Do my best to sound authoritarian and be loud enough to be heard over the obnoxious sound of gunfire coming from the screen. I yelled, Who's up there? Unsurprisingly, the response I was given was nothing but dead air. I quickly rushed out of the screening room towards the stairway to confront what I was sure to be one of the two teens who had come back to prank me. I must admit, I was a little too excited that someone was trespassing in a theater. Finally, this job was going to have some excitement. I rushed up the stairway, eager to catch the trespasser. I ran down the cramped hallway that connected to the projector room until I finally reached number 5. I flung the door open, nearly taking it off its hinges, to reveal nothing. Besides the stacks of discs on the shelves, an old fold-out chair, and the projector busily humming away as it projected the beginning of the latest Fast and Furious flick. There was nothing. Nobody. As I caught my breath from the long run up the stairway, it finally dawned on me what must have happened. You see, these projectors don't need someone to turn them on. They can be turned on manually, but usually, the projectors are set on a timer to begin projecting the movie at the designated showtimes. So, one of the employees must have thought it would be funny to play a prank on me and set the projectors to start playing after hours. I had finally calmed down after the meaningless pursuit and shut off the projectors. I was about to turn around and go about my normal rounds once again. When I suddenly noticed it, the projector room smelled awful. I mean, the whole theater had an off smell about it. But the projector room smelled absolutely awful. It smelled like marsh water and rotten eggs blended together. Suddenly, even more things began to dawn on me. The other employees would have had no way of knowing that I would be in screening room number 5 when the projector went off. Someone would have had to see me going into the screening room to know to set that projector off. As I processed all of this, I became aware of one last thing, a dripping noise coming from right behind me. It didn't sound like water dripping. No, it sounded like a thick, oozing liquid slowly falling and pooling on the ground behind me. At this point, I accepted it. There was someone in the room with me. I slowly turned around to face what I assumed would be a mundane trespasser. I wish I hadn't. I wish I would have bolted for the exit the second I noticed that something was amiss. For a moment, I didn't see anything, just the door that I had flung open and the row of filing cabinets. However, I soon noticed it. I saw yellow, cat-like eyes peering at me from atop the cabinets, cloaked in shadow. Gelatinous, gooey drool was pouring down the side of the cabinet, pooling on the floor. Before I had time to process what I was seeing, the beast jumped from its perch atop the cabinets and landed on the floor in front of me with a loud thud. The beast slowly began to stand upright. Its spine made a sickly cracking sound as if it hadn't stood upright in centuries. The thing was about seven feet tall, its head almost scraping against the roof of the small projection room. It reached its hand out towards me, if you can call it a hand. Its fingers were far too long and were sharpened to a point. The back of its palm was covered in blisters and boils that looked as if they could pop and shoot out thick pus at any moment. As it reached out towards me, I backed away in sheer fear. 
This angered it, and in response, it lunged forward, finally revealing its full form under the dim light bulb that buzzed overhead. Now, what I'm going to say next is going to sound crazy. It is crazy, but I know what I saw. And after what I saw tonight, I'm willing to believe that anything is possible. The figure that stood before me was Count Orlock. He had long, pointed, bat-like ears that seemed as sharp as razors. He was completely bald, not a speck of hair on his body. The thick drool continued to pour out of his mouth, making a frothing sound, as it slipped past his sharpened maw of teeth. His skin was pale, stretched, and looked almost paper thin, as if crudely masking a beast even more horrifying underneath. He continued to close in on me, slowly backing me into the wall next to the projector. Whatever this thing was, it was clearly enjoying the amount of fear it was willing inside of me. It towered over me, burying its long, razor-like fingers near my throat. I knew the only way out was through that door. Now the beast was blocking. In a panic, I grabbed a hold of the projector and threw it against the beast's head, completely shattering the projector in the process. He let out a guttural, inhuman screech as I pushed past him and ran down the hallway towards the stairs. As I pushed past him, however, he blindly struck me with his knife-like fingers, leaving a gash along my back. As I ran, I looked back to see him continuing his pursuit. He didn't run like a man, but rather like some wild animal on all fours. Slobber continued to pour out of his mouth in heaps, leaving globs of it behind him as he ran. In my fear, however, I forgot to look where I was running, and before I had time to react, I unexpectedly stepped on one of the descending stairs, losing my balance, and was sent careening down the flight of metal steps. When I finished my tumble, my head slammed into the door that led to the main lobby area of the theater. My head throbbed. My vision began to blur. The last thing I remember seeing before blacking out was his shadow, slowly descending the stairs. I awoke some time later. The first emotion I felt was unrelenting panic. I scanned the room, sure that I would see Orlok's gaping mouth ready to devour me, but I didn't. In fact, I was still at the bottom of the stairway, sitting in a small pool of my own blood that leaked from my back. I breathed a quick sigh of relief, only for a sharp pain to rocket through my body. I had a huge bruise on the right side of my torso, and I had a gash on my head that was bleeding pretty badly. The bleeding on my back, however, had sustained. As I pulled myself off the floor, I began to question what I just experienced. Was anything that I witnessed real? If a blood-hungry monster was really after me, why wouldn't it have finished me off when I fell down the stairs? Maybe the gash on my back was from the fall as well. No, that had to be real. Even my mind couldn't come up with something that deranged. I decided to put that all aside for the time being. Whether what I experienced was real or not didn't matter for the time being. I was sure of one thing, that the gash on the back of my head leaking blood was very, very real. And if I didn't get to a hospital, I would have plenty of time to mull over my experience in the next life. I steadied myself using the handrail on the stairs and opened the door to the main lobby area. I managed to limp my way over to one of the cushioned chairs. I caught my breath for a few moments as I sat there, slowly pondering what to do now. Drive to the hospital? No. With this gash in my head bleeding, I'm getting lightheaded, plus my leg is all busted up from the fall. I'm not in a good enough state to drive. No, I had to call the ambulance. I was going to have to call 911. I was going to have to call one of my would-be co-workers for help. 
as I was going to have to either explain to them that I saw a fictional lord of the night and get locked in the loony bin for the rest of my life, or explain that I simply fell down the stairs and battered my head open for my incompetence and lose my job for being a liability. Yeah, that's me alright, a big liability. I remember how she said it, the sweet psychologist with her curled hair and her pearl earrings, how she tried to stroke my ego by saying I was suited physically for the job and how she kept her big false smile as she transitioned into saying how I had showed some concerning signs during my psychological evaluation. How she placed her cold, manicured hands on my shoulder and said I should seek further care and how I would not be accepted into the police force. I'd be too much of a liability. None of that mattered now though. I was bleeding in the middle of the crappy theater in the middle of the night. I had to swallow my pride and call for an ambulance. I took out my cheap flip phone and typed in those numbers, 911. The phone rang once, then twice, then once more. For a split second, I almost thought they weren't going to pick up. My fear was quickly vanquished, though, when I heard the ringing finally ceased, and I was greeted with the cold, familiar female's voice of a dispatcher. 911, what's your emergency? Um, hi. I, uh, I need you to send an ambulance to the Majestic Theater near Route 5. I've been in a in an accident, I said, trying to hide my embarrassment over having to call for help. Certainly, sir. What is the nature of your emergency? She said coldly. I'm a security guard here at the theater. I accidentally fell down the stairs, and I'm bleeding pretty bad. You fell, sir? The dispatcher said in a confused tone. Yeah, I tripped and fell down the stairs doing my rounds, I explained, irritated by the questioning I was being subject to. There was a moment of silence, and I almost assumed that I lost connection. But after what felt like an eternity, the dispatcher finally spoke. Sir, I'm afraid I can't help you if you don't tell the truth, she said, her voice now monotone in nature. I sat there confused by what she said. What does she mean? I tried to think of a response, and settled on the most intelligent response I could think of. What? Another moment of silence passed, and then she spoke. Sir... I recommend you find somewhere to hide. There's something in the fog. I opened my mouth to try to respond, but as I did, I heard that familiar beep beep of my cell phone. I looked down at the screen that read, Call ended. My blood ran cold as I read the text on the screen. I think everyone knows that the police dispatchers are not supposed to hang up. My mind began to race, and I thought about what she said. What did she mean I was lying? How could she have known that? What was she talking about near the end? What fog? I finally looked up from my phone and saw it. The outside of the glass automatic doors, there was a thick, dense fog. I slowly rose from my chair, gazing out the glass doors. I limped over to the doors, half expecting them to slide open and allow the fog to leak in and swallow the theater whole, but they remained firmly shut. As I limped closer to the door, I noticed the foul smell from earlier had returned, permitting the whole theater. The nausea from the smell and the lightheadedness from the bleeding didn't make walking any easier, but I persisted. After my long trek from my seat to the door, I was finally able to peer out to the parking lot, or where the parking lot would have been. The fog was so dense that it seemed to swallow up everything outside. I could barely see the sidewalk outside, let alone any cars. There was absolutely no way I could drive in the state I was in, and even if I was fit enough, I'd be likely to get lost in the fog and bleed to death before I could even come close to finding my car. 
I began to turn around, ready to call 911 again, when I remembered what the dispatcher had said. There's something in the fog. That phrase sounded so familiar. Before I had time to ponder on it anymore, I was startled by a sudden wet slap against the glass. I whipped around to see a hand firmly planted against the door. I stared for a moment. The hand didn't move at all. It simply remained smeared against the glass. As I stood there, frozen from both fear and confusion, I let out a single word. Huh? Hello? As soon as I did, as if on cue, another hand smashed itself against the glass. Then another. Then three more. Soon there was a chorus of palms smashing themselves against the glass, slowly cracking it. Even in my blood loss driven stupor, I could tell that whoever these hands were attached to meant me harm. The hands continued to smack the glass, reeled back disappearing into the thick gray fog, and then smacked the glass again. I began to lip away from the doors as fast as I could. I tried to think of a route of escape out of the building, but quickly axed that idea. Even if I managed to get outside, I would just get lost in the fog. What would I do then? Just hope someone happens to be out on a stroll at 3am in the morning in the worst fog Arizona had ever seen and helps me? No, I had to fall back on old habits, get to the manager's office and batten down the hatches. I limped towards the concession stand and leaned against it, using it for leverage as I walked. I just had to make it to the stairway. I slowly made my way to the door that led to the stairway, all while the hands continued to pound on the glass. Sadly, Lady Luck decided she was going to be in a mischievous mood that night. As I made my way past the soda machine, I stepped in a puddle of coke and Fanta and slipped, landing back first on the syrupy mess. The fall hurt bad enough, but the soda seeped into my gash on my back and sent a white hot pain through my entire body. My vision began to blur again and my ears began to ring. I feared that I might pass out, but my senses returned to me. The first thing I heard after the ringing in my ears subsided was the glass of the automatic door shattering. I heard sounds of wet feet slapping against the tile floor soon after. It took a moment, but I managed to grab a hold of the ledge of the concession stand and pull myself to my feet. In hindsight, I wish I accepted my fate and just closed my eyes. When I got to my feet, I finally saw the source of the hands before me, slowly filing through the shattered automatic door. It was a crowd of lepers, though I very much doubt they were alive. Most of them didn't seem to have a pound of fat or muscle on their bodies. They looked like skeletons with skin simply draped over them. As they pulled in through the doors, some fell, and some had glass shards embedded into their torsos, but this didn't seem to phase them. They just got back up and continued their unrelenting march, their march towards me. I hesitated to turn my back to them, but soon turned and continued my slow limp towards the door, with the gas on the back of my head still bleeding away, and with me barely being able to stand after the abuse my legs had taken. I imagine I look quite a lot like them. The lepers were slow, but I was even slower. As I made my way to the door, they were slowly gaining on me. If I could just make it. Lady Luck decided to do me a favor for once. I flung the door open and limped my way through the doorway. I turned to grab a hold of the door handle, ready to slam the door closed. I gazed through the doorway. The fog was slowly leaking into the theater. I couldn't see the concession stands, let alone the automatic doors but I was sure even more of them were piling in. They never sped up, continuing their pursuit of me in a snail's pace. After I was done gawking over the scene before me, I slammed the metal door shut. I leaned against the door and slid down to the floor. I could hear them approaching, but I was sure that this metal door would hold up longer than the glass one did. I sat there for a moment, catching my breath and letting what just occurred sink in. 
I didn't have much time to rest though, as I soon heard the sound of the fleshy hands smacking against the other side of the door. I rose to my feet and slowly ascended the staircase, holding the handrail for my dear life. Once I reached the top, I stared down the hallway, with the doors lining the wall to the projection rooms and the lone door at the end of the hallway leading to the manager's office. I half expected Orlock to jump out from one of the projection rooms, but luckily he didn't. I began to limp my way down the hallway towards the office door. As I did, a sudden nostalgic feeling rushed over me. Ah yes, that's why. Walking down the hallway, it reminded me of the day I got rejected from the police force. I remember that walk of shame very well. I walked down the dry, colorless hallway towards the exit sign after the psychologist informed me that I failed my psych test. I remember seeing a few of the other cadets averting their eyes from mine. Others gave me a sad, solemn look. They all must have known that I failed and was just officially rejected. No one stopped me though. No one placed a hand on my shoulder or said it was going to be okay. No one even tried to talk to me. No, they just let me walk out of the station and to my car. And thank God they did. I needed to get out of there quickly. After all, I had just strangled the psychologist to death in the other room. This brings us to right now. I'm currently locked in my manager's office. I managed to stop the bleeding from the gash in my head, but I was still pretty banged up. It's been about two hours since I came in here. Though, for all I know, time might be frozen considering all the supernatural things that have already happened. All he's got in here is some old filing cabinets, a desk, and an old laptop. I've already tried to contact the police on it, but it seems like there's some type of interference that won't allow me to contact them. Whatever is preventing me from contacting the police is most likely the same entity that caused all these monstrosities to appear tonight. As some of you probably gathered at this point, Whatever this thing is, it seems to be able to imitate movies, especially horror movies. I don't know what this entity is or why it decided I needed to die. Maybe it's some type of phantom that's been watching all these movies in the theater since it first opened and I angered it somehow. Or maybe it's my hand of karma come to reap vengeance on someone who bears the mark of Cain. Or who knows, maybe it's the ghost of the guy who shot himself in the bathroom come to haunt me in the theater and he just doesn't like me. Why it decided to take form of the movie theater monsters to try to kill me, I don't know. Maybe it's just a sick sense of humor. Now, you may be wondering, if I've been in the manager's office for two hours, why hasn't the entity just turned into Orlock again and faced through the door, or transformed into Jason Voorhees, or Jack Torrance and chopped down the door? Again, I don't have the answers, but my guess is it wants me to die a slow death. What do I mean by that? Well, about an hour ago. I smelled that foul smell again. Soon after, a thick pink jelly-like substance leaked through the room underneath the door. The blob. Now, the jelly substance has slowly expanded. It's reached the roof and has been slowly swallowing up furniture in the office, what little there is. It swallowed the filing cabinet first, then the desk, while I was writing this. The filing cabinet has been completely dissolved at this point, and the desk is being digested as I speak. I'm currently backed into the corner, with the jelly slowly spreading across the floor, threatening to envelop the laptop, my only source of communication with the outside world. Then I'll be next. I would like to say that I'm not afraid to die, but I'd be lying. The truth is, I'm scared shitless. I never wanted to die in a shitty movie theater by some Lovecraftian horror. However, I've been going over through tonight's events in my head, and one thing that caught my eye, the dispatcher on the phone. She said she can't help me if I didn't tell the truth. Thinking back, 
I know that voice of the dispatcher. Oh yes, I knew it all too well. It was the voice of that damn psychologist. So while I sit here with the blob slowly digesting the room, I sit in. I wonder, what if by the truth, she didn't mean that I needed to admit that I saw Count Orlock, but I need to admit what I've done. If I admitted what I did, will this all end? I mean, if I admit it, it most certainly means that I'll get the death penalty, but it sure beats the slow digestion by the blob. Shit, the keyboard is almost completely enveloped. It's now or never. Look, I know that everything I've said up to now sounds crazy. It is crazy. But if there's one thing that is true, it is this. My name is Tobias Lawrence Martin. On December 9th, 2015, I killed my psychologist named Mary Steele. I did it because I couldn't cope with the fact that I wasn't going to become a police officer. I've been on land for four years now, working odd jobs until I finally found a permanent one. I worked the late shift at the Majestic Movie Theater in Phoenix. 